Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of the BDU Podcast. This episode is very special because we not only have one, but we have two incredible guests, and they are Lisa Reed and Chloe Spring. Welcome to the podcast, girls. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It is now the Bikini Down Under podcast. The girls are taking over. The takeover. (laughs) Now, I don't know if you can tell, but Jack was super, super excited for this division. If there's one thing he's truly passionate about, it is bikini and swimsuit. So, yeah, true. I, mean, I feel like it was only fitting that the um, male bikini is the one who kind of wanted to organize it, Dan. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, definitely had my hand up for this one. <laughs> yeah, like, gonna... we bikini girls stick together. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. There was a question there, which was who was going to be the best male bikini competitor? I just wiped it straight off the QA box. We already know where that's at. Who knows going to win that? Yeah, exactly. So now I'm not going to give these girls too much of an introduction because uh, I feel like a lot of listeners probably already know who they are. But if you don't, these two girls are extremely successful competitors amongst the IFBB division. But not only that, they decide to do it naturally as well, which is, I think, an amazing little feat. Now, we do have a lot of questions today on the Q&A box. So I do want to more or less dive into those straight away. Now, one of the main reasons for me actually getting the girls on was for the rising popularity in the bikini division. You know, in 2009, there wasn't even a single bikini division. And now, fast forward, pretty much 40 to 60% of nearly all amateur shows are bikini dominated. So, which is obviously a huge little change around. And one of the things I wanted to ask is, what do you think has made it so successful, Lisa? Yeah, so I've obviously seen it grow a lot, even in just the time that I was competing. So I first started competing back in 2014. So I'm definitely kind of showing my age a little bit, I think, there. But um, even back then, like, it, the popularity was not like it is now. Like, even when I was trying to just find out anything about the competing, like, I knew nothing. There was nothing really on social media. It wasn't really there, you know, out there in front of me in my face all the time. Whereas now I think social media has obviously kind of helped contribute to the grow of it. But it's also just, um, you know, I think in general, like the gym, like girls going to the gym as well. A lot of girls are getting into the gym younger now. Um, They're obviously being exposed to it like a lot more now. We know a lot of people, um, you know, we are following those people in the industry. Um, so that, I suppose, has been like one of the major factors. Another one, I suppose, is that it is, I suppose, the entry level kind of division, um, even though it has definitely like the standard just keeps growing and growing and growing. And it's the athletes really who are raising the bar, but it is the first kind of division that a lot of the girls, not everyone, but a lot of girls do kind of start with. Um, again, I suppose it's also, it's super appealing as well to look at, um, you know, it, it, there's a lot of beauty in it. There's the bikinis, the glitz, the glam, all of that stuff as well, which a lot of girls are, you know, really, really drawn to as well. So that's, I suppose, just like a few factors, um, yeah, that I think has kind of contributed to it. And yeah, it just, I think it's just going to keep growing. Like it's definitely not slowing down. Um, you know, look at the Olympia, like it was only introduced in like 2010 bikini and it's already like pretty much the biggest division. So yeah, it's really exciting to kind of see how it's grown, how the standard, you know, just keeps yeah, the, the bar is just like constantly being raised. You know, everyone's paying more attention to their bikinis, to the posing. Like it just, yeah, it's super exciting to see it grow. And I love being part of it. Even doing some of the research and looking back at like so, like the 2010 Olympia, like you look mm. at the difference now and then even to like fast forward to like Courtney King, which had a phenomenal bikini shape. And yeah. then now you fast forward it to like Maureen, like winning last show and even like the likes of Jen Dory, the physiques have changed so much. Do you think it's going to get even more impressive? Like, I feel like the ratios are already like out of this world in terms of bikini competitors. 
Yeah, I think they do need to. Well, I think they kind of are. I mean, I don't know if you've seen like IFBB just put out like a video yesterday about the criteria and they don't like, they don't, they're trying to kind of, I suppose, like keep it as it is with bikini because it has, like it's grown so much. You look at it, you know, back early in the earlier days, you could just train for four weeks. It was just more essentially like a bikini body, um, like a beach body, sorry. Um, whereas now, yeah, it's those well-developed glutes. It's like the capped shoulders. Um, the athletes just keep really pushing the boundaries, pushing the boundaries. But, and that's why I think they've also kind of introduced some other divisions as well. Like, you know, for the girls that there's wellness as well, which is another division. So I don't know. I'm interested to see to see where it goes if if it is just gonna <laughs> keep growing. Or, yeah, it's interesting across across the years just how much things change. And I guess, I guess eventually they need to put caps on on categories in terms of like weight or look or muscularity or things like that because we're somewhat constantly as, as our athletes are just like pushing those boundaries more and more. Like mm. if we look at, for example, the equivalent of you know classic physique and 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 having to put weight cap, weight caps. Uh, on that category as well it's 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 kind of a no-brainer i guess that even bikini probably gets to a point where they're like okay muscle mass is actually getting a bit too much now we kind of got to pull this back a little bit yeah for sure i also think that the bikini division is probably the hardest look to nail there's so many very like if you were to listen at that the obviously the video that you're talking about yesterday lisa that is pretty much like surface the IFB, ifbb video where it was mm. like you can be too lean you can be too hard, you can be too muscular, like, you know, you've got to have certain body fat distribution, like in terms of like, you know, you can't have like hamstrings from top to bottom, bottom and the tie and can't be like super sharp. So it's actually one that's very hard to nail. Um, and that's why you see so many people from show to show, like getting swapped out, like, you know, you have Maureen that then plays second, like at one of her previous shows just recently where, you know, she won the Olympia beforehand, like there's so much like, you know, someone comes even even slightly off at the Olympia level or even like an Arnold's level, they miss out on it. You know, they get knocked back three placing. So it's an extremely hard look to nail compared to, don't want to say it, but like bodybuilding, it's like, who's yeah. the leanest, who's the yeah. biggest and who has great proportions. Like there's so much other little factors that get placed. So I could imagine it would be extremely hard for the coaches at the highest level. Yeah. And even it's just like each different look, like each athlete they all fit the criteria like slightly different. So, you know, even though those top fours, they may want, you know, someone slightly softer. They may want someone like slightly more conditioned. It all just kind of depends how it how it looks on their body and how they kind of fit the criteria. So, yeah, and like you said, it can just be that one little percent. Like, you know, Maureen was 1% softer, so she didn't win the Arnold. Like it's, yeah, very, very hard <laughs> to nail. My question for you then, Chloe, is why take the time to build your physique naturally? Why not, you know, rush into it? Like, take performance enhancing drugs and maybe get there a little bit quicker oh the fire question this is the juicy one <laughs> all right all right um I guess I just kind of want to say first of all is everyone has their own story like we don't know someone's training age their genetic potential their hormonal profile their why like all these things can lead someone down the enhanced route or not like we don't know what information they have access to like we could be talking about a young girl that has a bodybuilding friend that they're just telling her this is the only way that you can succeed and that can sway her decision. But there is something about that grit in the final stages as a natty, like when you have nothing else but yourself driving your performance, that's when the strongest minds are made, right? Like I feel sorry for anyone who doesn't get to experience that and like witness their own genetic potential. But also like 
what's your longevity in this sport if you're hitting the pharmacology so early on? Like, sure, you might get your pro card sooner, but how long can you then compete as a pro? Like, isn't it more ideal to work on your foundations over time if it like ensures even longer in this sport? Like, I only stood on stage for the first time last year, but that was after like over a decade of training naturally. Um, like I've built these foundations to ensure my longevity and training, like in training and in life. Um, yeah, I guess like like anyone who loves like Pokemon, like you may have evolved into Blastoise sooner, but watch me win a Squirtle. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's so good. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like all I can say is like, do your own research, listen, take the time to reflect on what experts tell you. Like you don't need to rush into making that decision like at the end of the day if the risks outweigh the benefits and vice versa then at least you can make an educated decision like to have so much awareness and insight into your own genetic potential like that will give you power in making these decisions and that takes time do you feel like the bikini division realistically needs performance enhancing drugs to be at the highest level like you know you girls have both won or place very well in open divisions, like mm. within the IFBB Federation, do you think realistically that you need to take it to achieve that physique? No, well, and I guess that like we have proved that, right? Like, I think that's the only thing that's kind of swaying people's decision as well is that's all they know is because that's all they've heard, that that's the only way that you can do well. But I like to think that if there's more women like Lisa and myself coming forward and showing that, hey, you can do it, it might take a little bit more time, but then at least by the time you get to that point, you've got all those foundations in place to then continue to do well in this sport. You're not just going to reach that peak early and then what? 100%. Do you have many people that criticize you or like, you know, call you out for maybe being fake natties? Like, obviously for like yourself, you've never actually competed with the ICN. So, or like even like the <laughs> WMBF. So it's like, as soon as someone tells me they only compete with the IFBB, I'm like, huh, interesting. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I've had a few people um, ask, but I kind of just see it as like an opportunity to educate them a bit more about like my journey and like, I guess, yeah, that there's other ways of doing that. Um, yeah, I've never had anyone actually say to me, though, that like I'm a fake daddy, like to my face anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose I haven't really, I don't even remember the last time I got questioned about it, to be honest, but yeah. I mean, that could either be because one, I'm probably not that jacked and I... <laughs> I look like look like I'm on it, but well, I don't know, Liz. Do. I don't know about that thing. <laughs> I don't know. I also like don't really advertise it. I guess either like I'm someone who doesn't really, you know, even like post a lot about myself or anything like that. So if I'm not really advertising the fact that I'm natty, then I suppose then I'm not really getting the questions that much. But if I was to get the questions, then I'd take it as a compliment, really. Um, the question I kind of more seem to get asked though is people ask why. I compete in a non-tested federation when mm. I'm an actual athlete. So that's mm. something that I obviously get more. And for me, that answer is kind of, I mean, I suppose I have gone down the um, natural federation, you know, I did all that first and I won like a pro show, which was a, you know, there was quite a lot of numbers back then when I did it. So I did kind of achieve what I wanted to achieve in the natural federation. But for me now, the reason I compete in the IFBB is because I want to be the best. I want to be out with the best. And, you know, this is a personal preference, uh, like personal opinion, I suppose, but for me, I regard, you know, the IFBB, the Olympia as the pinnacle of like bikini bodybuilding. So that's where I want to be. And I just have to trust in my own ability, um, you know, that I can do it. And I don't blame people for questioning it because back when I started, 
I had people say to me, oh, are you going to do IFBB? And I was just like, no way. There is no way I'm doing it. Like I'm not doing a, you know, non-tested federation. But obviously, you know, as my time in the like sport has grown, I've, you know, seen what I've been able to achieve myself. I believe in myself and my own potential. Then, you know, I felt ready to, yeah, to do it. So, yeah. <laughs> 100%. It just comes down to your own self-confidence, right? And your own self-worth. Like we yeah. believe that we deserve to be amongst the best. So we're going to run with the best. Yeah, for sure. Then once you've put in that work, like, you know, years and years of training, like you've been training for ages, Lisa, like, you know, you've done, mm. when was your first show? Seven, eight years ago? Yeah, it was 2014. Was it really? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's when I started training too. So don't do what I did and, you know, do a prep like and start weight training like all at the same time. Um, but yeah, and I'm not like, I do not grow muscle easily. Like Joey always says, I've got terrible genetics for like bodybuilding, like <laughs> grow muscle. So it's Ultimate definitely boyfriend. taken me a long time. Oi, yeah. that boy's in danger. Yeah. <laughs> well, you proved to him wrong, babe. <laughs> jo- Joey's on the on the hot seat right here. <laughs> shit tires, <laughs> shit genetics, no way. And now, now look at you, nearly winning <laughs> open divs. Have any of you boys actually been called out for being fake natties? Lawrence? Oh, I think called called out would be a very strong word. I had a, a recently I had a discussion with some of my friends from church and one of them is a she's an exercise physiologist. And obviously, you know, with working with exercise physiologists, like they're all go to the gym and they're all pretty health minded and that sort of thing. And I think they were sitting around having lunch one day and I think maybe I popped up into her feed or they were maybe talking about bodybuilding and she was like, Oh, like I've got a friend from church who's a bodybuilder. Um, yeah. Like he, he competes as a natural athlete, like blah, 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 natural bodybuilder, whatever. And she got up some photos of me and like the two exercise physiologists that she works with were just like, no, nah, no chance. Impossible. Like absolutely no way that guy's not taking something. I think I'm not sure if it was like certain lifts that I had done that they were looking at or like, just like the physique, but they were both like, yeah, no, nah, there's no way. Like, he's got to be taking something but i mean like it's it's like part of that conversation is like oh that's so sick because like you know they think i'm on gear but that just makes me like laugh because at the end of the day like i mean like if we all have a discussion here like there's no way i look like i'm on gear because we know what someone who's on gear looks like and like i'm not saying that i'm you know not a decent bodybuilder and like maybe it's more a conditioning thing than a size thing but it's like if you know what's possible and you see the examples of physiques that have come before in the natural federations, I think it's it's pretty reasonable to expect like a guy who's like five eleven and weighs just over eighty kilos, you know, probably a decent chance that he is natural. So I wouldn't say I've had any like, you know, natty witch hunts against me, but that's probably the closest I've come. But it still made me feel good. I think there's a lot to be said though for us being in the industry and like a lot of mm. our following is in the industry as well. Whereas if you look at any, for example, like bodybuilding reel that's blowing up on Instagram, like chances are like 80% of the comments are going to be people saying they're not natty, even though they are. So, um, I mean, that's a, a guilty pleasure of mine is going onto natty's people's uh, reels and then checking out all the haters saying that they're not <laughs> natty when they, yeah. when we know they are, of course. But they don't know any better, yeah. Mm. Um, the next question I have is, what are some of the differences that you have had between the preps? I'm going to throw this over to you, Lisa, because you've obviously done so many preps, so so many things have probably changed. Like, you know, you're probably taking a lot more serious. Maybe you've done cardio, maybe you haven't done cardio. What's been some of the biggest changes that have made your prep so successful? 
Yeah, I feel like I could do a whole podcast just on this <laughs> itself. So I'll try and keep it um, short. But yeah, so I've um, this is now my seventh prep. Um, my one of them was not a complete prep because it was a 2021. I only got two thirds of the way through before it got cancelled. But yeah, so I've obviously done seven preps. So I mean, there's been a lot that I suppose has changed. Like I don't know if you want me to talk about nutrition, training, like mindset, coaching. Like there's yeah. <laughs> Well, well, give us two of the biggest ones that you've changed that haven't been like, I guess, the nutritional side of things. Yeah. Okay. All right. So nutrition. So I suppose like, cause I started back in 2014, the whole, you know, flexible dieting wasn't really, um, you know, as much of a thing back then, but the, my first coach who I had for my first two seasons actually did do that. So um, that part, I suppose is the same. I've always, you know, tracked my macros. Um, that first prep, like I was very, again, like naive, like didn't really know anything about the industry, anyone really doing it. So my food and stuff like that was, you know, quite basic. Then I got to like the second prep and I was a little bit more aware of everything. And I kind of started to see, oh, there's the diet foods, there's a diet jelly, there's like the Pepsi Maxes, there's the, like all of these other things. So that's when I started to kind of, you know, incorporate a lot more of that stuff into my food. I was having the jellies every night, this, that the, you know, Taylor Top ice creams, like whatever, um, volumizing my food a lot. Um, so it kind of went down like that track. And then as, you know, the years have kind of gone on and as I've, again, matured as an athlete, it's then kind of gone back again, like full circle. And it's back to like, you know, the really like the simple foods. I'm, I suppose like I've heard Lawrence talk about this as well. Like, you know, I'm not really trying to volumize my food. I'm not adding cauliflower rice or zucchini to my stuff anymore, just keeping it super simple you know if I'm like hungry if my portion's a little bit smaller like all good so um in terms of that like my nutrition um yeah that's essentially my nutrition all my off seasons except for my first prep where I went overseas um the day after I competed apart from that like my off seasons have been I'm very structured as well like in my off seasons with my food I do take it quite seriously um yeah I suppose that's my nutrition um what about like your timeline as an example? So have yeah. you found that your preps have gotten longer, shorter? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, my first prep was 12 weeks. Um, so that was definitely short. And then all the preps after that have been, you know, at least 20 weeks. I think the next two were like 20 and then they've been kind of like 25, 30, like around that kind of period. So yeah, definitely has, yeah, increased a little bit as we've gotten along. There's been different approaches as well to say like, you know, this prep, um, we did, you know, take a little bit more of, you know, the aggressive approach at the start, like get a lot of the work done, like a little bit early, uh, earlier compared to some of the other preps, which has been really good. Haven't had, you know, like Fridays every single week, um, all of that stuff, which honestly it has worked out like oh, really, really, um, good for me. Um, yeah, I've kind of been loving that. Um, and then like training, like cardio wise and stuff like that. I did a lot more hit, um, in my earlier preps, which again, like kind of haven't been doing now. Um, it's more just like the steady state. Um, love the Stairmaster, like all the bikini gals do. Um, tracking steps as well. Like that again, wasn't a thing in my earlier preps that kind of, you know, got introduced when Apple watches and whatever kind of happened. So because I'm on like, at the computer all day um that has made a difference as well like I've had to kind of do I suppose less cardio than what I used to have to do because I'm also like I'm tracking my steps um yeah every week is that and even like mindset I suppose as well like my mindset's changed a lot um you know at the beginning again it was naive didn't know nothing 
was great. <laughs> went in there blind, um, but just, yeah, enjoyed it. And then I started to kind of fall into the trap a little bit after that first show to kind of start, then I was following more people, like engaging more people, looking at more people, comparing myself. That's when I kind of experienced a lot more like self-doubt in that second prep. And then, you know, and then as I, I matured again as an athlete and then kind of just really learning that I need to kind of like focus on, you know, me staying in my own lane. Yeah, I guess it's just I've matured as an athlete um, and it's, yeah, it's just pretty much my life now. It's my everyday life. I love it in season, off season, like whatever, just stick in the boxes day by day. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned, mentioned the hit though. I remember that used to be like a big thing, like, you know, five, yeah. seven years ago, it was like, I remember even some of like the granite, like, you know, they would have like the team hit sessions and they would all yeah. get in on a hit session and they would all love it. And a lot of coaches were prescribing that where now it's realistically got phased out a lot. Now it's pretty much like steps for daily activity, yeah. which is, uh, yeah, mm. I think it's made yeah. a good little change. Um, sure. What's some of your changes, Chloe, from your first to now press? <laughs> <laughs> My or is it the exact same? Sorry, I took half the podcast just there. <laughs> yeah, damn, Lisa's got a bit on me. Hey, so this is only my second rep in comparison. So I've really, yeah, I guess I haven't made as like big of changes. Um, the like biggest one for me is probably my environment. Like I've created a space where I can prioritize my own needs, and I'm always supported because I'm just surrounded by people that like yeah, they really support me, but then they can also see my potential. So they're always consistently pushing me as well. Um, I've also really honed in on my spirituality um, more than spread, which is a bit, um, yeah, a bit airy-fairy of me. But yeah, I don't know. It's just <laughs> made me kind of like let go and trust the process a bit more this time. I felt like last time I was a little bit resistant to like even getting so lean, like I was a little bit scared, if anything. But this time I kind of like can trust that I will be okay and that I can just lean into this experience. And yeah, it's just been really enjoyable this prep because I've made those changes. I don't know. I guess more of like a mindset sort of shift this time. Yeah. I think when you go into your first prep, you kind of think it's going to be easy. Like, you know, you're like, oh, I don't need the best routine. Like, you know, oh, I'll just get the yeah. training done. I'll hit the macros. But then like you go into your second one and you try and make everything revolve around it. Like, you know, you then know that you need a better environment. You need good friend circles. You need, you mm -hmm. know, obviously people are coach that can obviously encourage you. Like I said, I think you go in the first one, you think it's going to be smooth and it's very, very rough. And then when you go into the second one, you make those changes like the environment and it makes the so much more smoother like you know it feels a lot more effortless you know you got a lot of people supporting you you know you're not overly stressed about things that might have caused stress in the first prep and you know even stuff like the hunger levels as well get managed a lot better when you've got your own environment and a good bunch of friends yeah 100 it's crazy how like just that alone mm -hmm. can make such an impact on your prep like and I guess you're just learning from the first one, right? Like all of those stresses that you first encountered, you can now cope better even if you face them again the second time around. Because you're like, well, I've done it before. I can do it again. Yeah, it just gets easier, right? Yeah. 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 Does it yeah. Does it? Yeah, it does. Every, like, every year. I'm not, like, people are like, oh, oh, how are you feeling? Oh, you're five weeks out. Oh, I won't ask you. Like, and I'm like, I'm great. Like, yeah. I, I love this. Like, the yeah. final week. Yeah, yeah, love it. I definitely think it gets easier. Surviving. Yeah. I've got a question. I guess for, Gloria. Oh, you go, DC. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, I guess for, for some competitors who may even need to get leaner, like, between their, their seasons and potentially diet harder and 
you know, sometimes it's it's actually easier to manage that extra dieting that's required just because you have better better stress management um, strategies in place and maybe yeah. a more lengthy time frame as well. You're able mm-hmm. to kind of lean into that discomfort more, and um, you've got a better support network around you. And I think it, you know, that second prep that you do, it's like you you no longer have that fear of the unknown anymore. Like you yeah, know what's yeah. involved in getting in getting to that lean level of conditioning and you actually kind of crave getting there as well in this, in this kind of bizarre and weird manner. But um, yeah, obviously every season you, you, you improve upon, which is why we do it. Right. Why we get so excited. Absolutely. To yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you both are two great examples too of doing the sport because you love it uh, and not trying to yeah. change something externally or internally about yourself, which is um, definitely a good uh, lesson for other competitors. And uh, for you, Chloe, like I know you work night shifts, of course. Like, was there any change between like last prep and this prep with night shifts, or mm-hmm. do you have any advice for pe- competitors who do work nights? Yeah, thank you. Um, that was something that I definitely changed. So, thank you, Jack, for reminding me. Um, yeah, so this time around, I definitely, I definitely tried to change my night shift. So, I'm doing the least amount that I can do. So, I only do three night shifts a month now. Thank you, work for accommodating. And I also only have my night shifts like on specific days as well. And then it will be around my rest days. So I've made my night shifts working with my training days because that's my priority. Um, yeah, so that's been the biggest change. So shift work, so I'm doing the least amount of shift work I've done in years. And that's because now I prioritize my training and it's working out really well. And I guess like I'd say that to other shift workers as well, like go talk to your work like see if they can accommodate you and you could actually be surprised like if you put in your roster request early they can accommodate you like you're just one person out of the many like they should be able to on that note how hard was it last prep compared to now when you actually had to work large amount of shift work did it make (laughs) it so much easier like because i couldn't imagine like the sleep schedule yeah literally i i feel like i was making myself way more stressed than what I needed to be because at the end of the day like it is a disadvantage I guess like (laughs) like you are taking away that component of recovery so Mm. yeah like being able to relieve that as much as possible this year was just Mm. so much more smarter I don't know why I was doing that last year yeah you said like something interesting of pretty much like don't work shift work like try and work as little as possible <laughs> yeah. nights, which i think is a good answer because like it's, yeah. it's true ultimately yeah 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 well, well look i mean welcome to the club if, if you really care you'll quit your job like I, you know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, what's more important? Mm-hmm. That plastic trophy at the end of the day or a, a steady income? Mm, how bad do you decision? <laughs> the sleep schedule does make a difference though. Like even I definitely am not a shift worker, so I can't even like compare to like Chloe. But I was in another job last year, like my last prep as well, and it was very like high stress. Like I was working again, like massive, massive hours. I was up all night and I got like, you know, all of that. And it definitely did make a difference. Like now that I've got proper recovery, I'm in like a much better environment. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sleeping more. It, it does like it, it makes a massive difference. So I literally just after going through that, like I can't imagine what it's like for shift workers. So <laughs> I really do take my hat off to you. Oh, thanks. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> there are advantages though, I guess. Like, you know, I feel like we're always like, like I even said it then, like it's a disadvantage or whatever. But in saying that, I do get a lot of days off as well. So all those times where all y'all have to work Monday to Friday, I get to like, you know, 
cradle day, recoverable day. Like that, I do get a don't lot say of that we don't work. They don't even have <laughs> real jobs. Oh, you can say that to me and Lisa, but these these yeah. three don't even have real jobs. So don't say that to them. Oh wow. Okay, sorry guys. Well, mm. <laughs> We're phonies. Because it won't be long until you join the club. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh mate, it won't yeah, be long. Because the thing is, DY, we had like a, a coaching like session. You know how like online coaches will mentor other online coaches. Me and DY had one the other day, and he was like, "Dude, the key is you need to have one program, and you just give that to everyone, and then all of a sudden you're spending the same amount of time on five clients as you are fifty. So he's given away his secrets, and <laughs> yeah, I think from next year I'll I'll have cracked the code to be honest. Yeah, the code is cracked. Thank you. And then chat <laughs> GPT for out. the updates. For yeah, the macro Chad. updates and the e- email Chad responses. GPT. Yeah, you throw it straight in there and just be like, fix this one up, <laughs> spits it out. Makes a Loom AI video for me too. So it looks real yeah, professional. Exactly. So the old uh, DC knows the old add five fat, drop five fat. <laughs> yeah. The rotating up, each baby. week. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I rated the games a little bit, a little bit assertive this week. We might just pull fats down a little bit, and then it just <laughs> next week. Yeah, let's give some back again. And no, give it back, to, back the to the system. Yeah, yeah. The special. Exposing all your secrets. Uh, yeah. <laughs> My next question here is: um, What does it take for a bikini competitor to get that conditioned? Like, you know, I think a lot of people when they think about like bikini, they think it's like more or less like the easier division, but like from what I stated at the start, it's probably arguably one of the hardest divisions to nail the condition. What's it take in terms of macros, cardio, et cetera, Chloe? Oh, to me. Mm. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I guess it is like that underestimation, right? Like once again, just from lack of understanding, like especially to get those beautiful, full popping muscle bellies, like you actually need to get quite low in body fat, right? So then you can Mm -hmm. fill and create that lovely contrast. But I think it just comes down to consistency, right? Like to get those levels of conditioning, especially as a natty, it takes time. Like it takes a long prep. Like you're talking like almost six months, right? And then Mm -hmm. even like in the off season, like having consistent strategy and containment as well. Like I think people want me to say something sexy, like for X amount of weeks, you know, you need put blood sweat tears into this but realistically it's about consistently and embracing that discomfort every single day like to get to that level of conditioning right i I think what they want is your training program your macro breakdown your cardio your steps and your posing routine so they can look exactly (laughs) like you and that's what i was asking oh Oh, you want like all of that oh damn <laughs> I'm joking. Well, what, what, that's the thing, though. Is like mine has like I don't know about you, Lisa, but like yeah, even like this prep, like mine hasn't been a massive like a drastic change. Like even when my like my calories have dropped only like a couple of times this prep. Like my cardio is only thirty minutes on the step bar four times a week. Oh like, hey, I am exactly the same. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but this. Like, but I put that down to as well that like, because we have stayed consistent in the off season. Yeah. Like we have a need to do big drastic jumps up and down, like, because we've just been consistent. Mm. Yeah. It's just a slow chart. A little bit less cardio than what I was doing last year um, mm. at this point in time. But that's also because we did want to start out, you know, go, went a little bit more, you know, harder at the start so that I was kind of, you know, easing it. Like didn't have to really, really like, my foot on the gas like right at the end when you know obviously the energy is a bit lower um but yeah just like Chloe said I suppose really staying consistent 
Mm. Well, I think not a lot can be said answer, for... is it? <laughs> Sounds exciting. I think I mean, a lot can be said for starting in a really good position, though. You know, I'm yeah. sure both of you started your your bodybuilding season like at at a reasonable body fat, like at a, at a good level, like mm. where you're not too far away from you know your projected stage weight. And I guess having a couple of um, seasons under your belt as well, like you kind of know where you're aiming for as well. Therefore, like your starting mm. position can be so much more predictable as well. And yeah. um, just less, like the prep needs to be therefore less invasive in terms of the time frame, like how hard you need to dig as well. You've also got to, some time to give back to the system, right? Implement a refeed mm-hmm. or a diet break or things like that, or deloads. Like, I think a lot can be said for just having more time in your timeline than less. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's not to say that like we're not like our food doesn't get low because like it does. And it, it seems I've obviously been through so many off seasons now, you know, tracking my food, you know, like increasing my food, blah, blah, blah. But I still every prep, like I still need to get like pretty much the same kind of, you know, level of like, like low macros. So it's just, I suppose it potentially may seem a little easier. Because, like, you know, we've been, we've Sorry, been guys. Before, I suppose. <laughs> Sorry guys, Ruby just got, <laughs> I probably got with the dog. <laughs> interesting no so, so what's the lowest your macros and cardio have gotten lisa like you said that you had to get them quite low on the back end of prep like in your last ipb prep how hard did you need to push um well, i suppose i could say but for everyone it's different like you know i've got you know like say even just using joey as a client when i prepped last year with my, my two best friends we all had very very different macros like we're all different bodies like requirements blah 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 um i couldn't tell you off the top of my head do you want like a calorie target? <laughs> On exact <laughs> macro breakdown, alongside steps. Nah, just oh, to a no, general gist. Because you're, you're being through a large amount of prep. So like, you know, how hard is the hard push? You said that you did need to push quite hard at the end. Yeah, I mean, I'd say that'd be like, you know, with a four-day depletion, I suppose I was probably around maybe like the 1,100 calories potentially yeah. um, for those last four days. But again, that's like four days. That's not... Mm. <laughs> that's not for like a big period of time. Like generally the lowest would probably be like 1300 if you really need a number, but yeah. that is rest day. It's like, yeah. <laughs> so you know how to dig. That's, that's, that's all I got. <laughs> we just needed to reaffirm that. Yeah. Yeah, right. how to dig. <laughs> yeah. The, the girls know okay, how to go hard. Right, they know how to put the foot down in the back, in the back end of prep. All right. Uh, you twist it off. We do yeah. dig yeah. if we need to. Yeah. <laughs> shovels, okay. Yeah done um the next question is i guess like the waist trainers and stomach vacuums like you see a lot of the ifbb girls doing them do you girls Mm. implement those into your routines are they something that you do currently no no joe's got his ears covered right now he's got like 10 sets of stomach vacuums prescribed every a.m even i'm doing mine girls what's going on on a waist tra- like waist trainers i've never worn um so I, I guess i'm not really someone who can kind of comment that much about it i know some you know girls do do it i know some girls do get a bit of like you know discomfort and like acid reflux and stuff like that stomach vacuums i have used before and i think they are good for people who like girls who do need that extra kind of help with like core control um, you know especially when it comes to like presenting on stage but yeah i can't really give that much can't talk that much on it because i'm yeah super knowledgeable on it <laughs> what about you chloe you use stomach vacuums or like a waist trainer at all in previous preps <laughs> um i don't use waist trainers i do sometimes use my belt like just my lifting belt but more like to offset the use of my core if anything mm. um 
but vacuums I do every single day I do it as part of my morning practice but like that's even just for like a mental clarity component as well I don't know it feels nice it feels nice yeah. to do my vacuums it looks gnarly as hell in the morning <laughs> <laughs> it does look cool when you get late <laughs> yeah yeah and you quite literally got like a 12 inch waist on the back end yeah. while doing the stomach <laughs> vacuums yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jenny have you got do any of you girls plan to compete overseas? The Japan Amateur Show, the Amateur Olympia, mm. any of those other shows? Or Maybe. is that top secret? We can't we can't give that out just yet. <laughs> oh, no, I'll uh, shout at it from the tallest building. <laughs> I'm going to Japan. I'm so excited. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, yeah, because there's obviously somewhat of a conditioning difference, especially from, like, the mm. American shows to the Australian shows. But thankfully, I believe it's the last show probably of your run before you start hitting up the chicken nigiris and Japanese curry. <laughs> First meal will have to be a ramen, right? <laughs> ramen, that's the choice. All right. So um, what about you, Lisa? Are you going yeah, to any I sure am. I am so excited. I'm going to Olympia in Orlando. So yes, yes. I love so that. So excited. I wanted to do that for ages. So cannot wait. And then the amateurs are like the Tuesday, the Wednesday, and then, Obviously, the pros are like the Friday, Saturday. So I literally cannot wait get to compete there. And then, um, yeah, watch the pros. <laughs> yeah, very nice. When's the actual Olympia on after that? Is it like it's a week after or? No, nah, well, so we, amateurs are Tuesday. So we're, I'm mine's the 31st of October. So the 31st, I think, and the 1st. And then the, um, the pros are like the Friday, Saturday. So I think it's the 4th and the 5th of November. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah very nice. Can we just backtrack? So you said that the amateur shows before and then it goes to the pro show. And you said that you've been watching the pros. Hold up. Wouldn't you (laughs) be competing as a pro? You gotta put that out there, you know? Hey, I would love to do that. (laughs) I mean I'm sure. Yeah. No, you can't. You gotta call You won't be watching, she'll be up on the stage. (laughs) (laughs) That won't happen this year, unfortunately. I gotta qualify. Yeah, very fun. I see, I see. So, <laughs> yeah. so we've got one in Japan and then one in doing the Orlando, correct? Yes, Australia's coming over. Damn, very nice. Waving our Aussie flags. Mm. <laughs> um, next question is, do you have any tips for first-time competitors, Lisa? Yeah, I have plenty of tips. Um, <laughs> we'll limit um, it to three then, all right? We'll speed track oh, it. All right, I need three right. bullets. Lisa's good at this. <laughs> I know she's looking at her notepad and has 20 oh, there. So <laughs> if, I know, if I know Lisa. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, exactly. Okay. Um, the first one I'll just say, I suppose just when we were just speaking about pros, um, is really don't rush the process um, when you're a first-time competitor and expect to win a pro card straight away. Expect to, like, win an overall, you know, straight away. I grinded for it was – two three I did three preps um and it was my fourth prep where I won my first like my first two pro cards and I'm honestly so glad that that is how it went um because I really got to you know grow as an athlete but really enjoy my time in the amateur ranks and there was obviously a lot of goals that I kind of wanted to achieve during that I learned a lot about myself um it certainly was very very rewarding for me like I remember after I won the first one like going home on the plane and like I just had tears in my eyes because I was like oh my god um but it just I really really felt like I earned it and I deserved it and that it was the time for me whereas even that prep before that I I came close like I was like one place off winning the pro card and I actually remember saying to Joey after that I was like 
I'm actually glad that I didn't win it because I, there's still things that I want to like achieve first, like, you know, before I then go into that kind of pro thing. So that is definitely the, the one thing because I do see a lot of first-time competitors, you know, they're doing their first prep and they're like, yeah, they're going to win a pro, like they, they want to win a pro card like, straight away. So just embrace the journey as an amateur. Um, absolutely. That would be one of my tips. It's interesting because I feel like it's one of the few sports where like someone comes straight into the ranks and immediately thinks they're going to win like yeah. top tier pro card. Like, yeah. you know, some, someone who's in sort of minor league, like NBA or basketball or something like that is not going to think that they're immediately going to to rise to the ranks of, you know, making the Australian team like from mm. from the first ever basketball game they ever play, right? So yeah. it's just interesting how kind of the the level of entry with regards to bodybuilding and maybe it's maybe it's more in the sense that we all lift weights and a lot of people recreationally lift weights and if they're good at lifting Mm. weights it kind of automatically transfers to i'm going to be a great bodybuilder but it's just not always the case is it because there's so much involved in being a bodybuilder not just simply how hard you train in the gym Mm. yeah absolutely um another one is Ugh, which one do I do? Um, okay, okay, I'm gonna do a bikini one. Posing, so especially for bikini girls, um, don't like underestimate like the importance, um, you know, of posing, and that you kind of really do need to start very early. Um, you know, start in your off season. Um, it's so important, especially these days. Um, I know you know back in the early days it wasn't as much, but now. The girls are putting so much emphasis. Like the posing girls in Australia is just insane. The standard just keeps lifting and lifting and lifting. Um, and it, it's not easy, even if you do have, you know, I've got a dance background. Um, but, you know, even if you have got that background, it's still learning like a whole other thing. It's learning how to hold your poses, you know, how to activate your lats. Like there's so much to it. And not only do you have to remember like the poses and, you know, having your physique, you know, looking symmetrical in this way and that, you've got to also um, do it like gracefully and like fluidly so definitely start posing um as early as possible practice 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 um and yeah when you're posing do not forget to smile because it is so important presentation you know as part of that bikini criteria is very very important so um yeah absolutely posing is definitely important I remember doing like a little bit of a story about this not too long ago in terms of like the actual posing like side of things especially for the ifbb you've got so many amazing posing coaches now like Mm. you know if you know you're going to be competing chances are you're probably going to be doing a prep for 30 weeks so you have ample time and posing is one of those things that you know can make the biggest difference yeah regardless of genetics like you know you could have poor genetics or whatever it might be but yet you can still have the best routine on that day and it's one thing that's completely in your hands so realistically there is no the reason for poor posing unless you're broken your ankle um but mm-hmm. other than that you know <laughs> chloe's like what the fuck <laughs> can you not put that out there mm-hmm. <laughs> i do not want that happening this season thank you <laughs> oh, anyway. surely you got one final one on that list. oh i do which one to do um I suppose um, just remember that it's your own decision um, to pursue this path. You're the one who's decided you want to enter a bodybuilding competition. So you shouldn't expect like other competitors, or sorry, not other competitors, you shouldn't expect other people in your life to kind of alter their, you know, circumstances solely to, you know, accommodate like your aspirations. Um, you know, don't get angry at the people that you love if they want to order a pizza on a Friday night or, you know, still trying to, you know, try to make an effort just to be a good person. Like don't just blame being on press 
relationship, um, you still need to be like a decent, you know, genuine human being. Um, so that has always been something that I have really, really um, like focused on and concentrated on. I've always shown up for all of my loved ones. You know, if there's any events, like I will be there like a hundred percent. Doesn't matter if I'm prepped, doesn't matter if I'm, you know, two weeks out. I just believe that, you know, if I, you know, show them support and show up for them in their lives, then they're kind of going to do the same. So, and honestly, like I have the most important, like supportive, like environment and loved ones and close circle. Um, so yeah, I just think respect, like, you know, respect them. Like it's, it's your decision. Um, and I think they'll kind of respect a little bit more if you do kind of even just, you know, just explain some things as well to them. Yeah. 100%. I love that one. I think it's so important because a lot of people, they go into prep and then disconnect themselves to a lot of other things in life, family, friends, you know, partners and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's really good. You know, you can sit there on the couch where Joey eats his zinger box. And yeah, I know, it's great. Like, it works and he's, perfect. <laughs> I actually get it for him on the way home. I'll, I do my cardio, I'll do my cardio and pick it up for him on the way from the gym. You're like, you're like I've got 12,000 steps and it takes 3,000 to get to the KFC and then 3,000 back. So he goes, yeah. works perfectly. Gives yeah, you the card and off you run. Mm. We, we literally used to live next to a KFC, like close to a KFC, and I did do that in my prep. <laughs> I remember the stories. Uh, uh, so this one's for you, Chloe. How do you go about picking your bikini color? There are so many really nice bikini colors on, you know, every single female. How do you go about picking yours? Ooh, how to pick a color from all of the colors of the rainbow. Mm. <laughs> um, I guess you just choose like whatever color makes you feel like your best true self. Like it's more about, I guess, avoiding colors that would blend in with your tan or blend in with your hair like contrasting colors always look good on stage. Um, But even if you just go to like any of the bikini makers, like all of the ones in Australia, like Fit Angel, Glam Fit, is it 67? 67. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) But like all of of them seem to give really good advice anyway. So even when you do a consultation as well, if you're, I'm in an R in between some colors, just ask. Or you could get yeah. a couple, you know, because then you can always have yeah. And then you have <laughs> Lisa, you would have definitely gone through your fair array of bikini colors. Yeah. What, what's your what's your, I, what's your what's your favorite color that you've ever worn? Oh, that is so hard. Um, if you ask Joey, he'll tell you it was the red one. I know. Um, <laughs> oh, my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, I don't know. I loved my two last year. I did love the purple um I quite enjoyed wearing the teal oh, as well it reminded me of Ariel <laughs> I did love you in the purple <laughs> I'm such a fan girl <laughs> yeah. oh, stop it. um I, I like I did like the red but I think that's associated with a lot of these memories from my 2018 season as well so yeah I don't, I don't know if red will come back um we will see oh I don't know maybe maybe the purple one if I you probably you probably pretty much had every single color under the rainbow the Literally. amount of preps yeah. that you've done I know. seven preps two shows every girl has to have a different bikini for every single show it's a must so i couldn't yeah. imagine the amount of Why bikini. Do do there's none that? left Literally. i like to spend money we do all right this well, is gonna be the food, so. <laughs> exactly that's that was my logic in prep anyway yeah. the final question biggest prep brain moment chloe you're up first oh. Oh my gosh, it's like every day of my life. I don't know if I've had like a big prep brain moment. I'm just really a taxic. Like I drop things, I fumble things, I'm really clumsy. I don't know the amount of things I've broken in this prep. Like I think I'm good and then I 
drop something quite valuable. I don't know. <laughs> I can't think of anything. I actually drop quite a lot of things as well. <laughs> yeah, like really bad. Yeah. <laughs> like butter too. fingers. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I am quite a clumsy person normally, though. So I and I'm also yeah, like. I don't know if it's like a prep brain or if it's just me as a person. Like that's why I do it. Like I don't know. But I mean, yesterday I literally slammed the car boot on my head. Um, so that was fun. I was like getting my earphones out of my gym bag and just didn't move out of the way and like fully like slam my head. I'm like bawling, like Joey, I'm bawling my eyes out. Like oh my god, almost knocked myself out. He's obviously like on a plane, like for overseas. Like I'm messaging. I kind of like messaged him when he got back, and then he told me obviously he was sick, and I was like, yeah, okay, you win. Mine isn't that bad. So yeah, I've done like a full on prep prep branding before. Mm. Because what was yours, DC? You pretty much drove all the way home with your car boot open with all the groceries, right? Yeah, oh, I yeah, did yeah. Hear that. yeah, yeah. 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 So <laughs> Nicole and I went and picked up just some groceries from down the road, and it wasn't yeah. like that far, but it was far enough to be like a considerable distance of what you should not have your boot open while driving. And uh, yeah, like, I had people trying to signal me down, and and people like yelling at me from adjacent cars, and I'm just looking at them like, what is their problem? Like, what's going on? <laughs> And yeah, I literally looked back and the entire boot was open. All the groceries were in the back and I'd driven probably a good like two kilometers or something like that. <laughs> I didn't lose any groceries, funny enough, but I was just like so embarrassed. I sat there probably like five minutes. Like how, how did that even happen? Like wouldn't I have felt the wind or something? Like, <laughs> Gets yeah. home, accidentally dropped the, the 1.5 kilos of chicken breast. Has to pull in the KFC. It's the only option, you know? <laughs> It happened. It's happened. It's happened before. Trust me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, the things we have to do. I've done some food stuff actually, as in just like I've poured like, you know, egg whites into my beans, like as in like liquid egg whites, or I've poured like I put rice into my coffee, just like not thinking. Like I've done stuff like that. But again, it's just me not paying attention, I think. <laughs> yeah. Joey's sitting there wondering why the weight's not going down. You got rice yeah. in your coffee. Yeah, rice there in we my go. coffee. No, it got thrown out. That would do it. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I'd like to thank you girls for coming onto the podcast. What I'm going to get you to do is list off your Instagram. I'm sure some of the listeners here will want to give you to follow and follow your journey to stage, pretty much being 4.5 weeks out. The spicy stuff. Exciting. Chloe, you're up first. That's where it gets real. Oh, yes. Um, You can follow me at, at ChloeSpring92. Mm-hmm. What about you, Lisa? I, um, you can follow me at, at Lisa Jane Reed. And yeah, that's Perfect. Me. Best of luck with your shows, girls. Thank you all for tuning in, listeners. And if you have any questions at all, we'll have another uh, box up this weekend. Have an amazing week, and we'll catch you next week. Bye.